Hello and welcome back to Literally Heinous. I'm so excited to be recording again. I think I definitely went through kind of like a slump with the Love Island stuff because I was only doing Love Island stuff that I forgot how much I like just fucking around and talking. And so many of you listened to my last episode, which was so nice because I didn't really feel that good about it when I put it out. And but it got really good reception. Obviously, like no one's going to like tell me that they hated it, but it still means a lot when my friends listen. So thank you so much. Um, I'm not sure if you noticed, but my voice is a little bit raspy right now. And that's just because I've engaged in like five days of debauchery. Um, Not really, but like whenever I come back from trips, I always have a sore throat and like I'm a scream talker, like especially when I'm excited, definitely when I'm drinking or like when I'm just in public environments, like I yell over people and like, I don't know. So my throat really hurts and also I'm being such a mouth breather. So hopefully you're not hearing any of my like breaths. I hate when podcasts do that. So I just got back from LA, which is huge for me because I went to LA in August, this famous trip that literally changed my whole life. Like I'll do a small recap. So I had to go to the Mojave Desert out in California for like one day for like a work thing by myself. But I was able to leave the event on a Friday evening and I was flying into LAX. So I was like, okay, I might as well just like spend the weekend in LA just by myself, like two nights. And I didn't like know a ton of people, but like once I like thought about it and like this whole, that whole trip came together really quickly in like five days. So I had like two, like five days like figure it out and then I started remembering like people that I knew that I lived in LA and I just had like the best experience I spent two days there I was by myself I haven't I'm definitely very comfortable being by myself I haven't done it in a while but I feel like in college like uh, one summer I interned in DC and I was literally by myself all the time like I was constantly just like having to like talk to people or like make friends or like figure out what to do I did that again like when I lived in Denver like So I'm not like I'm cool with like being on my own. So this was the first time I did it in a while and I was a little nervous and I didn't like know any of the areas very well. Um, But I stayed in this hotel in like West Hollywood. And if you're familiar, I was not familiar with L.A. geography at all. And then just like after that trip is when I really started to get familiar because L.A. is huge. Like it's really sprawling. Um. No, like you would think that like downtown LA, you'd think that's like, oh, that's like the downtown, you know, that's where everything happens. But actually it's not. I feel like West Hollywood is the most like populated, central, like hippest, youngest. It's also like the gay area and like where there's a lot of like parties and bars and like events. So I stayed in West Hollywood, which was like the perfect decision. And then I just like stayed on the Sunset Boulevard and like bopped around to a few hotels, but I just had a great experience. I met so many cool and interesting people. It was just like a totally different culture and just a different experience. And I was able to hang out with two old friends, which was really fun too. And that trip was the catalyst that started literally heinous because when I came back from LA and I saw like everyone that I met like had some sort of cool hobby or activity or extracurricular or passion or something cool that they were pursuing and that was when I had this epiphany that I was like I should finally do that thing that I've always like wanted to do but was too scared and people in LA like they have no shame like they are not embarrassed about anything like everyone's putting themselves out there all the time like they do not care at all and I've always like wanted to do this podcast but I was always too nervous and also because like not a lot of people that I'm friends with or that are like in my regular circles have like creative endeavors. So I thought it'd be weird if I did. But then when I was in LA, everybody has creative endeavors and everyone who they're friends with has creative endeavors and everyone has like creative passions. So that is why I started the podcast. And I'd been dying to go back to LA ever since. And then um, the company that I work for does a really generous four day holiday for around Easter. And I really wanted to go back to LA and take my boyfriend. And we were tracking flights and they were like consistently like $600, $500, $700, like, and then, and I kind of gave up on it. And I was like, okay, whatever, like, we'll just go somewhere else during that break. There's somewhere on the East Coast. And then one day randomly in December, because I was tracking flights on Google Flights, it dropped to like $300 Delta nonstop. And I told Jack and we like bought it immediately. Um, And I love flying Delta. So this is the perfect segue. So I wanted to use this episode to talk about my tips for like planning a group trip. 
I'm going to toot my own horn, but I'm a really good travel planner and really organized and I'm really good at planning trips and I've been traveling so much like the last like year and I honestly like it's like my tail wags when I'm on a trip and like just looking around at my friends faces and watching all of them have fun and then like them saying to me like oh my god Lily how'd you find this place like that is like porn in my ear like when someone is like thank you so much for finding this I'm so glad you found this like how do you know where this is like I fucking live for that shit so I wanted to give my advice to everybody so one of the biggest issues with planning group trips is just dealing with commitments so and it's such a like meme and like social media and like whatever like oh the trip made it out of the group chat like there's a reason that that phrase exists and it's because like it's so common to you know like say to your friends oh we should go on a trip we should go do this this summer we should go skiing and everybody like always like says yes and like let's do it and like whatever whatever and then like a month later, one person circles back and it's like, hey, did you guys still want to do that? Like prices just went down and it's like crickets. I think everyone has experienced that and I have too. And it's something that always like has really frustrated me because I'm pretty much always down for anything. I'm always down to go on a trip. I'm always down to go out of town unless if I like really cannot fit it into my calendar or if I just like don't want to go, I will rarely like commit to something and then not go so it's frustrating to me like when I'm in group chats and people and I and it's the same kinds of people that do this all the time um and people say like oh like let's go to Mexico this summer or would anyone have any interest in going to Mexico and obviously like the group chat is popping off like everyone wants to we're sending hotels like we're sending like TikToks whatever and I'm sitting there and by this point I've experienced this so much that I don't even engage in the group chats like until it becomes official or unless if like I'm spearheading it. Spearheading a trip and being the like leader is definitely a tough position because there has to be an equal amount of enthusiasm from the other attendees. So for example, if I like planning a group trip to Mexico is kind of an uphill battle unless if like people actively like really want to do it and everyone is gung-ho and it's kind of rare that you'll have a situation where everyone is like fuck yes this date this place this budget let's go like it's usually like you're gonna have to do some convincing and some compromising and once you start getting to like having to compromise or people start getting suspiciously quiet like you're in danger I go into trip planning with a very pessimistic attitude maybe not pessimistic but like I go in with very very low expectations because I just know how often these things happen so that's why I tried to leave a lot of it up to choice so for example with this LA trip Jack and I planned this trip we're gonna go just us two we bought the flights and we're like we're gonna go to LA and we extended the invitation to our group of friends that live in Chicago and so by the, this is like December, we bought the flights and we're like, hey, we're going to go these trips, these dates, you guys should come. And we like invited our friends. We really wanted them to come about and everyone was like, yeah, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. OK, whatever. So January, February rolls around. It's crickets. Haven't heard anything. And at this point, like I'm totally chill with it because I have been burned by a group trip so many times. But at this point, the trip doesn't rely on other people. So I'm fine either way. So that's like a big um, that that's a big like helpful thing is like if you want to plan a group trip, but you're also OK with just going with one other person, like say as long as you're you and like one friend or like your boyfriend are committed then like the trip is gonna happen either way like it's totally fine like obviously it'd be great if your friends came but like the trip's gonna happen like you're fine so I was like totally chill about it and then eventually like March rolls around Jack and I like book the hotels and then we like send our friends like hey guys like we just booked our hotel we're staying here on these dates let me know if you guys still want to come and then like about a month before the trip we got the official yes from two of our friends and they came which was so exciting we were so happy because like then we got to go with our friends like we would have been fine either way but it was nice that they did come so i definitely recommend like if you dream of traveling with with your friends or whatever like you really want to travel to like new orleans or wherever you want to go i highly recommend getting one like buddy that like you know isn't gonna bail like you know that they're down for it because 
either way, like at least you still get to go. Like where it really sucks is like when you're like, if you are the one that's constantly like texting in the group chat, like asking people to book their flights, like reminding people, like trying to hype people up and you're like consistently being met with like no response or minimal response, that is danger. And I would caution you to just like give up now. Cause like, it's kind of an uphill battle to convince someone to go on a trip because trips are expensive. And a lot of times like we have to take PTO and then it's just like time out of the calendar. Like it's a lot, like it's hard for people. And I think that everybody is really well-intentioned and optimistic when they say they do want to go on these trips. So like they will say yes, but just be cautious because you could end up getting burned like I would hate and this hasn't really happened to me but like I would hate if like I really wanted to go on this trip and then like a month out every single person backs out and then the trip doesn't happen and I'd already like requested time off or I like if you buy your flights and no one else buys their flight like that sucks so let's talk timing I think that the best time to book a group trip is no more than three months before the trip So I've seen this happen like a few different ways. So recently on a trip to Mexico, I went with three other girlfriends, but originally our group was nine people. And I should have like looking back, I should have been a little bit more skeptical, but we planned the group trip. Like everybody signed on in August for a trip that happened in February. That is way too much time. So that's like six months and six months is a lot of time for like things to happen. Like the girls that like weren't able to come, which was like totally fine. They like got new jobs, they moved, like family trips started coming up, like other opportunities just like kind of pop up within six months. And like you kind of, like it's hard to commit to something that's like more than six months out. So that's why I say like three months or honestly like two months. Like sometimes the best like time, the cheapest flight time is usually like three or four months before. But if you're like going somewhere that's like not that far and not that expensive, like booking like two months out usually like isn't that bad. So the less time in between or like the less time you give people, like the less chance people have of dropping out. And also because if you wait too long, like because you get that rush of excitement when you book a trip and you're like, hell yes, let's go. But if it's like six months by the time, like from when you book it to when the trip happens, it just like it's a lot of time to like lose momentum and to lose excitement Versus if you have like a trip that you plan like two months out, like that two months goes by pretty quickly. Like you get excited in those two months, you like plan your itinerary, you book your hotel, you shop, you like plan all the fun things that like you just keep the excitement going versus there being like a drop off and people forgetting about it and like life happens, whatever. So three months, I would recommend, maybe even two. So talking finances, my recent like, rule is everybody pay up front like I've always been pretty much like of the belief that like until you have your flight purchase like until I see your flight confirmation I won't believe you're going like that's why you have to be really skeptical so like if I'm planning a trip with people I'm always like like you can say you're going all you want like you can say that but until you've bought your flight I won't believe you but even still to like go a step further is I really do think like everybody should pay up front maybe this is a little bit controversial but I think that even like with the flight like flights can like still be canceled and like I said I've like been burned by this before so I'm extra cautious because especially if you're splitting like an Airbnb or something where like the numbers of people matter you should pay up front so for this trip to LA like the reason it was so easy also is because like Jack and I had our own hotel room the whole time like we weren't relying on like other people to like split the cost of an Airbnb like we knew like what we were gonna pay like with or without our friends coming so it can be harder so like hotels you pay up front I think for most hotels like you get charged but for actually wait maybe I'm doing that wrong I think you don't pay up front with hotels you get charged afterwards because I've been buying my hotels like with my credit card points total flex I know so like I get the points like deducted from my account But I know with Airbnb, you can like pay in full or like you can pay in half. So I did that like with our Cabo trip. We originally booked this house for like nine people and I booked the house and I was like, oh, let's just pay in half, you know, like it'll be less burdensome for everyone right now. Just like break up the payments. 
that ended up kind of like biting me because when a bunch of girls dropped, the girls that stayed committed to the trip, we were faced with, do we keep the house and like pay for everyone else's portions? Do we like make our friends pay all that money for a trip that they're not going on? And do we like keep the house, but it'll be like too big for us? Like, do we want that big of a house? So it just was like kind of chaotic. And I think that people are less inclined to cancel when they've already like paid money for it. So that's like with flights and with hotels or housing, like I think that it's best and it's less stress on you. Like if you're the planner and like, it's really stressful, like being a planner, like if it's on your credit card, you're like the trip leader. It it brings me so much less anxiety when like, I know that everyone is like paid up front and usually like people are reasonable in that like, if they do have to back out, no one is going to like ask for their money back because like you're not an institution. Like you're not like a company. You're not like an organization. Like no one really gets refunded for like canceling things. So you're better off with just like having everyone pay up front. And then if someone does bail, then just like having a conversation with them and just saying like, it's not fair because at that point, like if someone bails, like if you were going to go on a trip and you bail, and you want your money back, that comes out from, like, everyone else's pockets, and I know for me, like, if I was going on a trip, and someone bailed, and the trip leader was like, okay, can everyone pay, like, a hundred dollars more since this person bailed, then you, then you're dealing with, like, everyone on the trip who's like, hell no, like, I'm not paying a hundred dollars more because you bailed, Um, but then if there's like no money put down, people can bail like whenever. So I just think having that financial security and that definitely is like the worst part of the trip. And that's why like, it's important to align on budgets and everything. Um, and I will say like, just being cautious of like different friends budgets. Like I'm at a place in my life where like some of my friends are like consultants for these like really cool companies or like have really big corporate jobs And then other of my friends are like in grad school or teachers. And so just being aware of the different like money statuses of your friends. I'm definitely becoming more and more of like a princess when it comes to traveling. I really don't like to share beds. (laughs) Like I will obviously, but like I don't really like sharing beds. I don't like sleeping on a couch. I don't like sleeping on an air mattress or a floor. So I prefer to get somewhere with like multiple beds and I am that bitch like half the reason I plan trips is because I want the best bed and I don't know if that makes me sound bad but at least like for my friends like there's an understanding like whoever did the legwork planning gets to like pick their room and I definitely like doing that but I have like done the trips it's like different ones of my friend groups so like one of my friend groups like for my college roommates like when we travel like you better believe we're packing like six girls in one hotel room And that's fine. And also like when you're drunk, like you don't really care. But the bathroom situation is always the hardest. There's that's kind of like unavoidable. And you just have to be a little bit more cautious of like you don't want to do like full glam and like dice in your hair and like do all this crazy stuff when there's like five other girls that need the bathroom and you're all sharing. Um, So it's always like you want to save more money up front and you're like, oh, we can pack into this. But then once the trip is actually there, you'll be so much happier if you have like a two room suite, but it can be expensive. For booking flights, I always prefer to fly Delta and I just think Delta is like the best airline and I just feel more comfortable and at home when I'm on Delta. And now I'm like at the point where I have enough. What's the opposite of foresight? But I, I guess like enough negative experiences to know that you will always regret booking the cheaper flight with a cheaper airline, whether if it's like delays or like missed connections or just like random shit just like going on like on a spirit flight. So for example, like when I went to New Orleans in January, I was looking at like a Delta flight that was like nonstop to New Orleans. And it was like $550. And then I found a spirit flight that was also nonstop to New Orleans. And it was like $250. I was like, okay, I'm just going to book the spirit flight. It's half the price. It's still direct, whatever. So then about like two weeks before the trip, I get an email that both of my flights were like split up into connecting flights. So, and not only were they split up into connecting flights, but like 
they were taking off at like 5 a.m. and then like a four hour layover in Orlando. And then like on coming back on Monday or Sunday, whenever I came back, it was like an 8 a.m. flight with another four hour layover. And I was like, this is so ridiculous. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to suck it up and get the Delta flight because I have been burned by this before like being on a layover or like even worse, like missing your connection. And the last thing you want is like when you're already traveling alone, like you're hungover, either like you're hungover as fuck and you like miss your connection or you're having the worst layover of your life or you're going to the trip and like you miss your connection and like it eats into your trip. And I was like, I'm just not gonna do it. So I ended up canceling my flight and I booked the more expensive Delta flight that was nonstop and like the times were just like perfect. Like it aligned so well that I didn't have to take any time off work. And like I left in the morning, but like not too early. And I was just so much happier and like flying Delta at this point, I am silver medallion also. So I'm like in those freak ass Facebook groups and subreddits with people that are obsessed with points and sky miles. It's, it definitely is addicting. And now I'm at the point since I've reached silver medallion, which is like the lowest level of like all the other like platinums, I get upgraded so much. Like when I fly, I hate flying with Jack now because like he holds me back. Like I don't get upgraded like I used to. And now I'm, and oh, when I have to fly another airline and like they don't know me, like like they don't know that I'm a star at Delta and I get like put in the way back and I'm like, oh, this is fucking ridiculous. And also like I do not, this is so bad, but like I do not trust any other pilot that's not a Delta pilot. Like it might as well be like Ozzy Osbourne, like, I don't know this man, like, or woman, whatever, like, these flight attendants, like, ugh, like, everyone that flies here, I only fly Delta. That's not true, but I prefer to fly Delta, but sometimes it is so much more expensive, but at the end of the day, it's always worth it to fly Delta. I have been burned by every other airline, and yes, like, Delta, like, it, you know, I've had my fair share of delays, but Delta will always, like, make it up to you somehow, and also like the way that their app works, like it's kind of addicting to like gain points and to gain miles that like it makes it like a game to me. So it's fun. One more tip. When you're picking your flight times, I know that sometimes like the least expensive flight is the one that takes off at like 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. or like the evening flight or maybe like the two cheapest flights for the day that you want to leave are like 8 a.m. versus like 8 p.m. And you might be saying like, okay, I'm going to just take the later flight and explore the city. Do not ever do that. Do not. I have done that a few too many times where I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm just going to take like the night flight out because like I want to explore the city more, like go by myself and like whatever. Just take the earlier flight, even if you're knocking on death's door being hungover. I would so much rather get my hungover ass in an Uber through security, TSA pre-check, by the way, if you don't have it, you absolutely need it, and then just get some drunk food at the airport and just plop on the plane and then be home and have the whole day to recover. Because I have done the other way where I like wake up the last night of the trip, we always go out before and I'm hungover. And now I've got to check out of the hotel by 10 a.m. So I'm stuck in Miami with like my suitcase and like just my airport clothes on. And we like I still have fun. I did that in Miami. But luckily I was with my two friends, Dana and Vivi. Like we had a nice time. Like we went to the beach like but it, it was just like it was too long. Like it was way too long. And then by the time I got home, it was like 11 p.m. or midnight. And then I had to work the next morning. And Jack and I did this in New York last year. We were like, oh, we'll take the day to explore the city. We had to be out of our hotel. And like, so we're wearing like all our clothes and like heavy jackets and stuff. And like, we go to the Met, which like we wanted to do. And we were like, oh, this is great. Like, we'll do the Met on Sunday. We'll do bagels. We'll do the Upper East Side. But our flight was at like 9 p.m. And then we were done with the Met and the Upper East Side by like, I don't know, 4 and we were like, I guess we'll just like get to the airport. And this always happens. Like you always like want to be so like mature and efficient. Like I'm going to get to the airport three hours early. And then somehow it's always like the fastest Uber ride. There's no security line. Like, and I'm like, really? Like now's the time I wouldn't mind being in a security line. And it just sucks. And then like, so I learned my lesson or my lesson was implemented this past New York 
when I had my food poisoning, let's not forget, worst experience of my life. So I quite literally fought in like World War II. Like I'm convinced like I survived Vietnam, like what I went through with food poisoning. I was able to recover just in time to go out on New Year's Eve. So obviously went out on New Year's Eve till like 3.45 in the morning and we... Okay, looking back, actually, when I booked the flights for New Year's Day, and I'm a seasoned traveler at this point, and I was like, I don't want to do too early, but I also don't want to do what happened in Miami and New York last time. So I found a flight that was at like 11 a.m., and we booked that putrid hotel by JFK, Airport Plaza, JFK, never forget, worst, worst, worst hotel. And so I planned this all like perfectly. I was like, okay, so we'll wake up at like a reasonable hour, be out of the hotel by like... 9 30 like 15 minute uber ride you know check in like uh like 10 45 whatever fucking jet blue or american airlines again not delta pushed our flight up to 8 a.m from 11 a.m to 8 a.m so now we have to be on our flight at 8 a.m on new year's day and we're out new year's eve i guess it's technically new year's day at this point 3 45 and we had to be up at 6.45. So three hours of sleep. I'm deathly hungover. But you know what? I do the damn thing. We get up. We get on our flight. We get home. We're home in bed by 11.30 in the morning. 11.30 a.m. And then we can just like relish in our like hungover joy there. Like if I'm going to like be hungover like one way or another, I would much rather be like fighting for my life in an Uber or airport security line than just like be walking around with my suitcase like on Google Maps. And now I realize I feel like I'm talking about like being hungover so much. And now after my fucking TikTok went viral, like everyone was like accusing me that I have a drinking problem, which is not true. Now I'm like extra conscious of it. But when I go on trips, like that's kind of like what we do, you know, like we go on trips, like relax and hang out and like explore new areas. And like the last night's always the best night. So I will not apologize for that. So moving on to trip planning. I will preface this by saying that I realize that like I am fully neurotic, like I'm obsessed with planning. I love Google Maps, like Google Maps is my favorite app on my phone. I'm on it all the time. And like my when I have a trip coming up, like my preferred like free time activity, if I'm like taking a break from work or like just hanging on the couch, I love to just like look at where I'm about to go and just like find different areas on Google Maps, go on Reddit, like look at like TikToks and Instagrams, like tagged places and just like learn about different places in the area. So I have been really enjoying like the shared note function on like the notes app on iPhone. They've made it like Google Docs. So I will make a shared note for the trip and send it into the group chat. And I'll just make like a a little column for um, like recommendations. So for New Orleans, I think this, I feel like this is a New Orleans specific thing, but for whatever reason, every single person that I told I was going to New Orleans, their eyes lit up and then they immediately start rattling off like seven different places that I need to go. And I was talking to my friends on the trip and they were like, oh my God, us too. And like four of us before going, we each had like, you know, when you send a text message that's like way too long that you have to like click into it. Like four of us had like those kinds of texts from like completely different people because people are so like crazy about New Orleans and because it truly does have amazing food and really good restaurants. And it was so annoying because like 20% of our lists overlap. So it was definitely a really daunting experience because there are so many restaurants and like talking to people like the way that they're so emphatically like this was the best food I've ever had. I'm like, okay, well, damn, like now I got to go there. So what I like to do for trips is I do the shared note and everyone like can submit ideas or like if they hear about somewhere or like a coworker recommends somewhere, like everyone can just like put stuff in. And then I kind of start chipping away at the itinerary. I usually like to map out what the vibes are each day. So let's say you're doing like a Thursday through Sunday trip. I like for Thursday to be like arrival times, you know, like everyone puts in their arrival times get the lay of the land, walk around, do a dinner, and then maybe like get a cocktail somewhere. And just like keep it like that. You never, ever, ever want to go balls to the wall the first night of the trip. And I would definitely, like you don't want to be the fun police either because obviously that's not in my nature to not, like I don't want to tell anyone to not have fun, but you kind of want to like gently remind everyone like what we have coming later. 
So I usually like to plan the big going out night as like middle of the trip, like a Friday. And I think I just like this because I don't want like the big, big going out night to be the night before we leave because I don't want like no one wants to throw up on the plane. Like, yeah, you might be like a little hungover, but like no one like if you can avoid that situation, I would encourage you to avoid that situation. So I usually like to do the big going out night on Friday or like whatever the second to last night of the trip is and plan something so epic that it gets in your friends heads like not to drink too much the night before. Because that way, like, you don't have to do any of the heavy lifting, like, encouraging people not to drink. Like, you never want to be the fun sucker. But if people can, like, learn it or, like, figure it out on their own, like, that's a big win. So in the notes app, like, I usually like to map out the days. So I'll do Thursday dash and then put, like, the vibe. And that can also, like, correlate with outfits, too. I think that you'll really lessen the anxiety of people going when you know like exactly what the vibe is each day so like thursday if or like friday if you get there you can do like chill dinner vibes i usually like doing that the first night and so in new orleans that's what we did we did like chill dinner night and then we went to like one bar and like that's it and then just went home i did end up staying out till like 4 a.m that night but like I, we weren't even like drinking really. We were just like hanging out in this like weird smokers room. I definitely like inhaled like eight packs of cigarettes just like by being in that room. Um, so that's the other thing. And if you want to like stay out, I think that like, like you definitely can. And like I do that too sometimes where I just like drink really slowly or like I just kind of don't really drink at all. Then you can like stay out longer and you don't feel like as awful the next morning. But honestly, it's kind of a gamble. Um, so you just got to like take the risk and like you got to also, you know, like if you wake up hungover, like you got to fight through it. You just got to deal with it. No one likes a hungover bitch on a trip because if you wake up and you're all like, oh, I can't feel my face. Like you're bringing down the vibes. Like if you're really struggling, like you got to call in the emergency response team, like water, Advil, emergency, Pedialyte. I had this other little like packet thingy with like an antioxidants mcdonald's that always really helps me like a good bagel like you gotta like take all the strides and you gotta like take care of yourself like it's a battle out there it's a marathon not a sprint like if you drink too much on the first night like you're responsible for getting yourself back together and you can't bring everybody else back down so for saturday night i had a day activity that day so we did a walking tour of um this like garden district of like these houses that was cool um, and then that was our big going out night was Saturday night. And this is where I went wrong. So we did like the garden tour, but there wasn't enough time between dinner and like the tour. So the dinner I booked was at five because I wanted to make the happy hour special because I listened to one of my friends and she told me, she was like, oh, you got to go to this place like for the happy hour. And I thought that like, it would be more of a relaxed vibe and I was like okay like we'll just go to this place and like get happy hour and and then like go out but it really was kind of fancy and you definitely like you need to like really make sure you know the vibes of each restaurant because it can kind of like impact the trip like sometimes the best dinners are the ones that are just like super casual and like really cheap like I usually like to do that before going out like some sort of place where you can like get cheap drinks so you can like kind of use it as a pregame for the rest of the night and like everyone wants to like save money like no one really wants to like go to a dinner where it's, it's like $60 entrees like no one really wants that and I think people will really thank you if you like pick a place that just like isn't very expensive and that it's also just like good and accessible so the dinner I picked was at five because I wanted to make the happy hour special. So we only had like an hour between the tour and it was a walking tour. So it was definitely tiring. And then we had to leave. So it was only an hour and vibes were extremely low. And that's the worst. Like I, I'm such an empath, but like it really, like when other people are bad vibes, like I literally will spiral and like try to like make sure everyone's having fun. I know I should probably look internally like that. I probably shouldn't do that, but whatever. Also, the jumpsuit that I was wearing was, oh my God, like one too large of a breath away from total destruction. Like, oh my God, that zipper, like I was so uncomfortable because this jumpsuit was so tight and also like my, the zipper was like down the front and it was just like a lethal weapon. 
And luckily, like, I mean, I was in New Orleans, so if there's one place for your, like, zipper to come undone, I guess it would be that. But it was stressing me out. It was so tight. And I couldn't even eat, like, and it was just, the restaurant was, like, really fancy. And the vibes were just off. And I was freaking out because the part that I was most excited for for the trip was this um, tour that I booked. So I booked us a private tour of a bunch of different jazz clubs. So I went to this website called Tours by Locals. And it's exactly how it sounds like you can find a local tour guide wherever you're traveling and like you can book a private tour. So I found this guy named Quay and he was amazing. Like I read his profile and all his reviews and he was like jazz player and like just has been in New Orleans forever. And like his reviews were like, this guy is really awesome. And I was emailing back and forth with him and I told him like, I have a group of nine girls. We're all 25. Like we're looking to have a good time. And he was like, come on my 10 o'clock tour, like 10 p.m., like I will take you guys out. And I was like, okay, this is perfect. So that'll be our going out. And I was so excited for Quay. I was like hyping him up the whole time. And everyone was really excited too. But when we were at dinner and the vibes were so low, everyone was ordering like three espresso martinis each. I was kind of freaking out because I was like, what if no one has fun on the tour? And like, I just wasted all this time. So then we wrap up dinner and then we go to bourbon street and that cured everything like i don't know if you've been to new orleans i had never been before this and i already was kind of like oh not really that interested in bourbon street but it's like the second you walk into bourbon street like there's music and there's people and like dancing and like there's beads and everyone has drinks it's all open containers like i swear like all of our faces just lit up and we just got so lit and we were like this is so much fun and it was the trip, the rest of it was perfect from there. So we had like an hour and a half at Bourbon Street and we had like just enough fun. I did like, we were like really dancing at this one bar and I did feel kind of bad because I was like, okay, we got to head to Quay, but it's better to like end on a high note. So then we walked to Quay and we do the tour and just have like the best night ever. Like he truly was as amazing as the reviews said. And like, I'm so glad we did the, did the 10 p.m. tour Cause like all the bars were lit and like all the clubs were amazing. And like Quay had like a special, like either a drink for us or like a shot for us or like VIP entrance or beads at like every club. We like got a little something and every one of my friends, like during that tour came up to me at least once individually and like thanked me and like told me like how this was so amazing and how like they would have never found it themselves. So that was really relieving and that like just felt so good to like know that I found something that everyone liked. Um, And I know I don't have to take this on and sometimes it's like kind of stressful and like a lot of pressure, but like the rewards that I get and also this might sound cocky, but I'm like genuinely convinced that like I'm the only person that could do it right. So I don't know. I guess like my final tip would just be like when you're planning these trips, like make sure there's a lot of balance And you want to be like at least a little bit, you want to have like the perfect amount of like preparedness and like not do the same things every day. So maybe like one day you do brunch, but like you don't want to have brunch every single morning. And then maybe like one day you do a tour, but you don't want to do a tour every day. Like I definitely like to do at least one or two wholesome activities during the trip, like wholesome day activities, either like a hike or a tour or like a museum or something. Um, Because then it just helps to feel balanced. Like if you go out every night and then you wake up and then you do brunch and then you drink more and then like you just feel slow and lethargic and it's better to just kind of like ease into each day. So just like being mindful of that and just like really like envisioning yourself like while you're there, like, okay, what are you going to want to do? Like if you had a really big meal the night before, do you want to like immediately do brunch again? Or like maybe you find a bagel spot to walk to. And that's kind of the best too is if you can find like a restaurant that's like near something cool that's near like a monument or near like a scenic view or something so then you can that like takes up a good chunk of time like you don't want to be bored but you also don't want to like be too busy um and also you don't want to rely on getting stuff for free so if you go to like miami or vegas like definitely you probably like if you're going on a girl's trip like you probably will like get invited to go somewhere or like get into clubs for free but you never want to bank on it And if you do want to roll the dice, I would just reserve like one or two nights for that. But I wouldn't like roll the dice for every night of the trip. Um, But yeah, when my friends and I went to Miami last year, we did get extremely lucky. And like I wasn't playing. I don't know like what I was doing, but like I definitely planned like two dinners, I think. 
And then that was it. But looking back, I was like, why would I do that? Like I barely planned anything, but we did get really lucky and we were able to like get into clubs and like go onto a boat. So that was really good. But now I'm like definitely hardcore planning things. My LA trip like had a very planned out itinerary. And I also was really lucky because when I made all those reservations before our friends committed, that was also like kind of the hard part because like I was making reservations, but I didn't know who was going to come. So I made all the reservations for four, just assuming at least two of our friends would. And I was right. So it paid off. Okay, I will now transition to some pop culture updates. So the big one over the weekend was Taylor Swift and Joe Alwyn breaking up. This was a huge shock to literally everybody. And I don't want to hear anyone being like, oh yeah, like I knew they were going to break up or like, yeah, there's no way. Like absolutely not. Taylor and Joe are end game, like her song says. And truly just nobody saw this coming because there's been rumors. Like if any of like the speculation about Taylor Joe, like the rumors and speculation was always that they were secretly married. So I will give like a little backstory into why this is so shocking if you don't already know. So obviously like Taylor Swift, like one of the main, like, I don't know how to describe it. Like one of the main like things, like her like name in pop culture is like how much she's dated around. And this is obviously like, you know, like she's an amazing singer and everything, but like every celebrity, they have their own little like controversy, whatever. So from like when she got really big in like 2009 up until like 2016, like she's been famous for just like dating around, which isn't like that big of a deal. It's not that surprising. Like people in their 20s date and obviously like the relationships are short lived. Like when you're dating celebrities, like And it's also just like very normal, but like there was just a hyper fixation on her love life because she's really public about it. And like she would write all these breakup songs. So it's fun to like analyze it. And like she would kind of like welcome that, I think, because like it was also fun for her. And that's like where she got a lot of her inspiration from. And then so in like 2016, so summer 2016, this is before Reputation came out. So this was after 1989. A lot of people will attribute Taylor's peak to 1989. So that came out in 2014 and that's like Blank Space, Shake It Off, Bad Blood, Wildest Dreams, like every, like half of those songs on that album are like hit singles, but also like the ones, most of the ones that are like singles, like aren't even the best ones. And um, this is like, Taylor has this weird thing for like picking her absolute worst songs on every album and then choosing to make those the singles and like whatever song an artist makes a single like those are the ones that like get played on the radio like you know so and obviously like some of the other singles I think it was like out of the woods style blank space like those are all bangers um bad blood can like go die on a hill I hate that song shake it off can go die But seriously, like, that song actually, like, is really, really good. And I feel like people just associate it with Shake It Off. But, like, really, there's some bangers on there. So that was in 2014. So that's, like, Harry Styles and, like, all that Carly Kloss stuff, which is crazy. Um, And so she's, like, dating around. She's, like, partying a lot. Like, she's everywhere. And then things get kind of quiet. And then, like, summer 2016, she co-chairs the Met Gala. This is the only time she went to the Met Gala. Actually, I think she went twice. This is like when she had her bleached hair. Um, So this is where she like meets Joe Alwyn for the first time. So Joe Alwyn, he is a year younger than her. He's a blonde British guy and he had like just come out of drama school, but he had all these like promising prospects because he's just like a good actor. And so they meet at the Met Gala for the first time. The lore goes that like they kept in touch that summer. And then that's where we get like some of those lyrics from Delicate, like dive bar on the west side, me and you. And then like third floor on the west side, um, your, my bleached hair and your buzz cut. And so a lot of that, like that whole like song and a lot of the reputation songs are like very reminiscent of like that summer that they spent together. I guess it was like their iconic like whirlwind, like predating, not exclusive, but like traveling to see each other. Um, there's this one like investigative thread on Tumblr by some crazy Swifty and it's so long and it's like tracking all of these like crazy things like her nails and like her jets and like everything to like figure out like how many times they hooked up before it became official. So I will link that, but I'm obviously not going to read through that because it's deranged and like you don't really need to know it. 
So also in t- summer 2016 is when all that drama happened with Kim and Kanye and Taylor. So this was like the snake summer. This was like that origin of when like Kanye and Taylor were beefing. It was all over Twitter and like everyone was commenting like snake on Taylor's stuff. Like everyone like snake, snake, snake. Like she was like really canceled. I feel like this is kind of like the start of like really publicly canceling celebrities. Like what she got in 2016 is very similar to what Hailey Bieber, it's like calming down now, but like to what Hailey Bieber is getting where like everybody, it's like a joke and like everybody's getting in on it and it's a huge trend and like just dog piling. And I think a lot of it is like people love to like hate on women and like it's an excuse to like hate on someone that like bothers you. And I know that she's not every cup of everyone's cup of tea. And even back then, like I did not really like Taylor Swift. I found her to be annoying. I didn't like her songs. I was a big fan when I was younger, like elementary school, middle school. And then I kind of fell off in high school. And like, there was so much going against her. And like, if you weren't like really into her, the only things that you would see about her are like ridiculous quotes out of context or like, crazy things or like these mansions and these parties and like it was just kind of eye rolly so even I was kind of like rolling my eyes but like I wasn't I also didn't really have any allegiance to Kim either which is so crazy like my two favorite people that like I didn't even care about back then um so she was like really publicly canceled and so she like famously goes into hiding for like a year and then this is when like she and Joe like really pick up she has this one song in Reputation called Call It What You Want that I really love. And she has this line that says, all the liars are calling me one. Nobody's heard from me for months. I'm doing better than I ever was. So she spends this time like just with Joe. They go to England and like the countryside and we don't see her for like a year. But that's when she really starts like getting to know Joe. Like they have this really romantic, like quiet, peaceful summer. And then that's when they make the decision to keep their relationship private so like we never got the whirlwind pictures we never got the hand-holding pictures paparazzi pictures because when they started dating they kind of just fled and like went to England and made this decision to like keep it private so Joe is definitely like a low-key guy like he's definitely one of the actors that is there for the craft of acting like he is not a celebrity I feel like there are a lot of just actors that are just like prefer not to be in public don't want to get paparazzi don't want to go to events if they don't have to like genuinely just for the craft of acting and then there's other ones that are like the ryan reynolds of the world or like the ryan goslings or like the actors that are always kind of in the public eye doing talk shows or publicity stunts which is fine i would honestly probably be like the ryan reynolds like if i were like that so they make this decision to be private She's like kind of canceled. So she comes out with Reputation in the fall of 2017. And this was like her big comeback. Again, the singles, I mean, they aren't deplorable, but like I think she needed to drop Look What You Made Me Do. Um, I think even though that song is not necessarily like gonna be winning any Grammys and like it's, it wasn't like that like sonically good of a song, but I do think like it was such an iconic like, comeback song and I still do kind of like it so she puts out look what me look what you made me do delicate and delicate is a song that like aged really well and it really is like about Joe um and there's a bunch of other songs on that album too that like are honestly so good that like she didn't make singles or that didn't really get like the time like it's time to shine and I also do think that and not that she should have appealed to what like the haters were saying like but I do think that like a year isn't enough time to like let people forget about the cancellation but like she shouldn't have even appealed to that anyway so I do think there was a lot of like leftover animosity towards her and reputation I think like I don't know its numbers I think like it critically maybe was acclaimed but like it wasn't really doing anything crazy but she still like don't forget like she still went on a stadium tour for reputation like her not that best selling of an album is still like selling out stadiums I mean not to like the Ticketmaster level but like she was still playing stadiums which are the biggest venues to play so then um so she does the album she does the tour she's still like pretty low-key like I still wasn't even fully back on board 
And then summer 2019, like she stays consistent. Like every like two years drops an album, but it's like touring in between, like booked it and busy. So summer 2019, she drops Lover. Again, worst singles of all time. And I've like talked to other Taylor Swift fans about this and they're like, she wants to throw people off the scent of the album. And I'm like, why though? Like me is god awful. Like actually like I don't hate me. Like when it comes on, it, that's the one that's like, you never find anybody like me with Brandon Yuri. And it's just like kind of cringe. Like it's when I don't mind when it comes on. Like I don't mind listening to it, but like of course people don't like Taylor Swift when they hear that song. Same thing with You Need to Calm Down. Like, it's just so, like, BuzzFeed millennial that it just, like, sounds so bad. And then the other one was The Archer, which is a truly beautiful, beautiful song. But it's not radio material. Like, it's not club material. So these singles suck, but, like, Lover stays, like, one of my favorite albums. It has my all-time favorite Taylor Swift songs on it. And... Like, this is the album, I feel like she wrote Reputation from the perspective of, like, falling in love with Joe and, like, having this romance, like, getting to know each other and, like, the first time that she's dated someone that likes her for her and, like, he's not trying to, like, you know, take all her money. Like, he just wants to act because he loves acting. He's not trying to, like, be, you know, on the cover of magazines. Obviously, like, I think his big, like, ultimatum was, like, if we're gonna date, like, I wanna be private and she was, like, I can do that like as best I can and then lover is from the perspective she's like 30 at this point or 29 so like it's just so much more mature like one of my favorite lyrics from that album is from a song called daylight it's the most beautiful song I always get like full body chills when I listen to it and she says like I used to think that love would be burning red but it's golden which is like a callback to red from her album red in like 2012 and like talking about how love is burning red and so many of the songs were like oh we are in love but we fight and there's toxic and we make up and then lover and like that song daylight is just talking about how like oh when you're really in love like you're not being toxic and like you can be in love without that like extreme like heat of the moment and the whole album is just like very like mature and it's just really fucking good so that one, like, you know, anytime Taylor Swift drops an album, regardless of what her public perception is, like, she still has so many fans, no matter what, like, her fame level is. So I think, like, the album does pretty well. And then she was going to do, like, um, Lover Fest. So she was poised to do, like, a big concert, I think, like, three nights, one in Boston, and then the other one, I can't remember, but somewhere on the West Coast. Obviously, COVID happens. Loverfest like gets shut down like and this is when like I was kind of coming back onto Taylor like I made it a point because Sam from my Taylor Swift episode I interviewed her she went to Lover's secret session so she was invited to Taylor Swift's house to meet Taylor and to listen to the album before it came out with like other fans that she picked off the internet so like hearing from her like what Taylor Swift did for her I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever so then I made a conscious effort to like get back into Taylor Swift and then I heard me and you need to calm down and I was like I don't know maybe I'm not cut out for this but then I like gave that full album a chance and just fell in love with it and like the Taylor that I knew growing up is like so different now but she's so like mature and I just really admired that and when I got back into Taylor Swift I had no idea that she had a boyfriend like I was listening to these songs and I was like who is the muse and I was like, oh shit, like she's had a boyfriend for four years at this point or three years. So COVID happens, Lover gets canceled, July 25th, 2020, a day that is burned into my brain, folklore comes out. This honestly changed the shape of pop culture. I'm not kidding. So folklore comes out and I was buzzing, you know, to quote Love Island, like I was so excited, like it was a surprise drop. I had no idea it was coming. I was already like back into Taylor Swift, like I was already like on the Taylor Swift train again. And folklore, just like no one was prepared for it. I remember being shocked at like how many of my friends were texting me like, oh my God, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm obsessed with Taylor Swift's album. And everyone is losing their minds over folklore. Like if you haven't listened to it, you need to like listen to it like on a drive or on a walk on like a cloudy day and just really like internalize all the lyrics. The way that she's able to like perfectly illustrate some of the most complex and deepest feelings of like emotions and trauma, it's just like beautiful in like the way that she words everything. And that like 
fully pulls everyone back onto the Taylor Swift train. So then she drops Evermore. And Evermore, while it does have a few songs that like I'm not crazy about, some the songs that I am crazy about are like never in my wildest dreams could like someone encapsulate some of these feelings that I have. Like Evermore cuts so deep in a way that like it's crazy that like someone could even like come up with it's honestly deranged like how deep of cuts like Evermore goes. So then we have the re-recording. So she does the fearless Taylor's version that comes out in like spring of 2021. And there was something in the air, I feel like in spring 2021, everyone was getting their vaccines. Like we were finally like starting to be able to go out again. Taylor Swift drops fearless. And it's just like this wave of nostalgia after like two years of like quarantine and sad and like reflecting and like everything's changing and like it's scary and uncertain. And then all of a sudden, like we get this iconic album that like we grew up with. Like even if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, like I know that you love, like you belong with me and love story and 15. And so it's just fun to like dive back into that. And then you get like the vault version. So the songs that she recorded for the album that didn't make it on the album. And you're just like transported back into time. And then in that fall, we get red Taylor's version. So all like throughout Taylor Swift fandom, we knew that like there was a 10 minute version of All Too Well that existed because she said it in an interview and like when she recorded All Too Well, like she didn't think that fans would love it. Like it was it was a long song, like the bridges were a little wonky, it didn't have like the structures of like a main pop song, but like she put it on the album and she was always like shocked that like people really liked that song so much because it's fucking genius. And so we were all like so anticipatory, like when Red was coming out, we were like, are we going to get the 10 minute version? And she did put the 10 minute version on it. And that is just insane. Like I was in my car today. I was like scream singing it on the way to work. Like the lyrics are just like so wild and just knowing that it's about like Jake Gyllenhaal. And now that we like know all the lore behind it. So like there's this famous story and I don't even know like how people know this, but like Allegedly, when Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal were dating, she had a 21st birthday party and like he didn't come and she was like devastated like she waited for him and like she like wasn't happy on her 21st birthday because like he didn't come and like in the I'm getting like goosebumps right now just talking about it, but in the like 10 minute version, she adds a verse in there and I think she must have obviously she wrote the full version when she was like dating Jake Gyllenhaal, but it was like talking about her dad meeting Jake Gyllenhaal and then like how her dad watched her watch the front door all night willing you to come because it's supposed to be fun turning 21. Insane. I'm literally getting full body chills just talking about it. And then I feel like it just like reopened this like wave of like, it's just the nostalgia. Like nostalgia is priceless. Like they say sex sells, but honestly, nostalgia sells. Like that's why there's so many reboots and so many like reunions and shit just because like life is so crazy and hard and scary and like growing up is really hard and like seeing like your favorite cast from your favorite show come back together like it just is so like nice to see even though every reboot sucks ass and I want them all to end um with all too well like playing into that like high school like romance or like that first I always say that like everybody has this one like situationship like that you weren't even probably dating for like three months and then when it ends it's like soul crushing like the fact that Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal only dated for three months and she still like wrote this like absolutely gut-wrenching universal breakup song like even like you would have thought they would have dated for like 10 years but like I don't know I kind of love the idea of like it's like if something hurts you then like you can romanticize it all you want like you can be as dramatic as you want like it's your feelings like it doesn't matter if it was three months or 10 years like that whole idea was like cool to me I'm on such a tangent right now but so we get Taylor's version everyone's like freaking out she does like the movie and she's giving us everything we want and that's the thing about Taylor Swift that I can really respect is a lot of like celebrities and actors they kind of like bite the hand that feeds them or they kind of like turn away from the thing that makes them the most famous or like they don't want to like talk about the drama but Taylor will lean the absolute fuck into it like she'll do it in a classy way like she wouldn't name Jake Gyllenhaal 
But she did a whole like short film, a short music video film based on the All Too Well song and like recreated her entire experience with like the red scarf. Like, and she does all these little things that like the fans that have been following her for so long, like she knows that we know and it's all just like a wink. That's why it's so fun to be a Taylor Swift fan. Okay. So then at this point, like I'm buzzing for a tour. Like I am so excited like for like the re-recordings and everything. And I'm like, everyone's already kind of like waiting on the edge of their seat. Like, okay, like COVID has calmed down. Like, is she going to tour? Like what's going on? And like, I've been anxious about this. So then like this year, or I guess this past year in 2022, she drops Midnight's, which has even bigger commercial success than any of her other albums. So full disclosure, I'm not going to like lay my life out on the line for Midnight's. Um, I do really like it and like I listen to it like a few times and but at this point like I have my favorites on the album and I don't want to go back and listen to the ones that aren't my favorites but also I'm kind of saving them for later because every time I do that with a Taylor Swift song like the song that I usually skip like four years later ends up becoming my favorite um so I don't like die for Midnight's but other people did and I think it also was like had Taylor Swift released Midnight's in like 2017 or 2019 it would have performed the same as like lover and reputation it's not any better than those albums honestly it's worse sorry um but because of just like how famous she got through covid and she got like the album of the year for folklore and just this play on nostalgia and like everyone's getting like back into taylor swift like i think that's why it got so big so then we get the tour and i don't think she ever would have expected what happened on the tour So I went back and watched her documentary on Netflix, Miss Americana. In this documentary, she put out like to promote Lover. So she put it out in like 2019. And she viewed Lover as like her last hurrah. Like her last like, and she didn't seem like sad about it, but she just kind of was like, because Reputation, she was really disappointed. She didn't get nominated for any Grammys for Reputation. I might need to fact check that, but like, I'm pretty, she definitely didn't win any and I don't think she was nominated for any. And that was like really soul crushing for her because she's like a Grammys darling. And she was like, wow, like, I guess this is really it. So she kind of viewed Lover as her last big album debut or not debut, but as her last like big foray. And it's crazy to me, like watching that documentary now because she was so of the mindset, like, I'm in a good relationship, like, I'm in a good place in my life, like, I'm happy with my career, I've achieved everything I want to achieve, I'm just going to put out, like, this one more album, and then just be done, and I don't think she could have ever imagined that now, like, three years later, she's more famous than she ever was, and she's, like, in this great relationship, and I think, like, that's why she and Joe broke up, too, is because she and Joe broke up, where she was at, like, a really low point in her career, like, He was like the only one that was there for her. Like it's very evident like he loves her for her. And the fact that like he wants to be a private relationship. He doesn't like being interviewed about her. They've never even like walked a red carpet together. They are rarely, rarely seen together. Um, And he like co-writes some of her songs too. So like he's credited on folklore. Like they would write songs together during the pandemic. And it's just obvious that like they had a very genuine relationship. And I think that like with this absolutely insane tour like she's playing three hour long shows like back to back traveling all over the country she's not going to be done anytime soon she has more re-recordings like I think she has a lot of like juice left in her and I think she's just naturally like an overachiever so she's gonna keep like playing into this like for as long as it lasts like and I think that is why the relationship ended every all the reports are saying that like it's amicable it's mutual it's just so heartbreaking because like taylor swift has obviously like been through so many relationships and like so many of them were bad and toxic and whatever that like in the songs that she writes about joe specifically like are just so beautiful and like so well put together like this one song piece that's on folklore that's just all about like how can you still love me even though like I'll never give you peace and just hearing like the only snippets we get from their relationship are the songs that we know that she's written about Joe and it's like so beautiful so that's why it's just really shocking and I'm this is so like toxic of me but like she's 32 and I'm also wondering like is she planning on having kids because like 
what's going on with that? Like if I were 32 and like just broke up out of like a six year relationship, I would be like, oh shit, like I better like get cracking on like finding a husband now. Sorry, I'm like toxic maybe, I don't know. And I will compare every long-term relationship breakup to Justin or Vanessa Hudgens and Austin Butler. I was shocked when they broke up because they'd been dating for 10 years. So like when a couple's been dating like so long and they're a little bit older, like, you know, if you're, you're dating for five years, but you started dating when you were 17, it's like, okay, who cares? Get over it. But like if you are dating for more than like five years, but you're both like in your 30s at that point, I'm like, holy shit, like how did it not work out? Like how could they possibly grow apart? Like I can't wrap my head around it. I have no idea who or if she will date next. And I just like feel sad for her because like it's lonely. It's really lonely at the top. You know, I have a booming podcast. Like I get it, Taylor. And like I know she's really close with her mom, but I know like her mom had cancer a few years ago and like I I don't know like if she's doing better now or like if it came back. And I don't know. So I just hope that like she finds peace, but I just feel like at the end of the day like she's married to her career and like how could you not be I mean like she has had the most insane career and it's crazy that like I would have never thought that she would be more famous than she already was and now it's just like unreal so yeah okay so those are my thoughts on Taylor and Joe I don't have any predictions or any ideas like what will happen next um but that is all for today so thank you so much for listening have a